Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Wait a minute, where's my... There it is. Okay. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from... Wales, I guess. The, pla- the place where they're not rioting right now. Was that? It's like everywhere in the world. Uh, <laughs> lots of unhappy people in the world. That's the problem. Anyways, uh, Steve Parson. Good evening. Yeah, uh, we're not ha- unhappy. Though. We're happy. Happy people. Happy, smiley you are, people. You're happy because oh. you're locked yeah. in and, and yeah. Right. No, Anyways, no, but you tell me that we were to stay away from politics, sex, religion, and pets. Right. I didn't bring it up. Anyways, I would like to say the big news of the day, of course, was the ghost hunters Ooh. who found the dead body in the haunted house. <laughs> Did you read about that, Steve? Yep, it was bound to happen one day. Actually, it's happened several times since I've done. Actually, yeah, research. you're right. It's not. It's not the first time. It yeah, definitely isn't the thing. first time. Oh, They've come God. across. You know. Well, I mean, you know, you go right the way back to the. I think it was the first one I wrote, remember. It's about the 1920s when they discovered a hobo. Um, yeah. Propped up against a tree. There we are. There you go. Yeah, but the uh, bunch of guys broke into a <clears throat> abandoned mansion. They missed that. Oh, skip, kind oh. of skip that a little bit. <laughs> well, and then the freezer. I wonder. I wonder, I wonder if they inspired. I wonder if they inspired anything tonight. <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing hmm. about it right. is that hmm. I, was Politics. it plugged in or not? I mean, it, huh? it must have stunk as high hell, right? Well, not necessarily. I mean, it depends how long you've been there. I mean, after a while, they mummify and stop smelling. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And it wasn't a freezer, so, like, the bugs couldn't get at them, right? Well, yeah, guess. I guess. So he was meant to fresh? Uh, well, when they thawed him out, he would have been. <laughs> no, I don't think it was fr- the plug. I don't think the freezer was plugged in. Oh. Well, what are you I, I kind of skipped over that. Yeah, topic. get more details. Get more details. Get me if, you, I'll, if I'll, you've I'll, ever found if you've ever found a cadaver whilst you've been on a ghost hunt, get in touch. Five five five. Make up the rest of the numbers yourself. <laughs> oh, you can join us in the chat room and uh, yeah, it there. It's twenty twenty one, the year when nothing can possibly go wrong. Absolutely, and uh, so, anyways. We have been trying to do this show for like a month now. <laughs> it's become the cur- it's become the cursed subject, hasn't it? Well, I, I'm tired. Everything goes back to my picture. <laughs> that photograph that I was sent to me oh, in the mail had sent the world in a. That was like that was like what 2018. <laughs> Look what's going down. I mean, do you know how many? Do you know how many uh, domestic appliances we've bought since you got that photograph? I know it. Didn't you just tell me the TV did a... Uh, yep. Yeah, I had, had a, a bank. Had nothing to do with the photograph, though. 
Oh, I don't know about that, Steve. You know me. I have the photograph, and there you go. You have the photograph. I, yeah, well, there we are. I was here. Um, you pooed it. You made fun of it. Any people that make fun of my photograph? I did make fun. Like, I made fun of the iguana. Hey, leave my iguana alone. It's wooden burns. So, you're going to like this. You're going you're gonna to like this, Steve. We're going to do this show. <laughs> yes, we're doing this show. And, and, in our seance, as you know, we do the red light seance for well, seven years now. And uh, next month, we are going to have, uh, as, as a trigger object, a Peruvian death doll. Ooh. So that would be interesting. Yeah. See what I mean, can, uh, how do you know that the doll is death? Death. Death, dear. Oh, I thought you said it was a death doll. I do. Yeah, it probably is, too, but... Yeah, you know. there we are. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's interesting. Somebody Two wanted to bring separated it by a common language, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, you think? How do you think that would be to go? Um. Well, I I rather do you, wait, see... do, do you know what a Peruvian death doll is? Yeah, I don't need to. Do I? Yeah. No, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for the last 12 months, there's this couple of ghost hunters. No, I'm being too kind to them. Um, Over in the UK, and night after night after night, they're on Facebook Live. Um, Really? That's novel? With (laughs) OMG, Haunted House, OMG, and on all this. And they've they've got themselves uh, a collection of haunted dolls. And they they regularly take these haunted dolls out and then sit them down with K two meters and all sorts of crap. So um, it's rather jaded my my view of sitting in the dark with dolls. I'm afraid whatever nationality or 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 disabilities that they may have, you know, poor poor dolls, poor dolls. Mm. But that's that's a shame. Anyway, the. I mean, you you uh, have a, a variety of supposedly haunted items. I have s- some haunted items. Yeah, I, I, uh, disappointing, yet, yeah, disappointingly haunted yeah. items. It's got to be said because um, I mean, this goes back twenty something years to the first one, mm-hmm. which um, our friend Anne Winsper bought me oh. for, as a birthday gift. Oh, happy uh, birthday, Anne! By the way, day late and dollar shot. It is. Yeah. You can be six days early for mine. <laughs> Why is it really that close? Yeah. Next Damn. week. Damn. Oh. oh, no, no, no. Well, we got a show next Wednesday, so it'll be the night before. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. Still time to get the card. Nice. Still time. Nice to you on the show. And yeah, I, I, still time to get the card in the post. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I did you get my Christmas card? I did. Thank you. Did you get ours? Uh, I don't think so. Really? Jan's in charge of Christmas cards. <laughs> you probably did that. I, I don't know. I'll have to ask her. I know I got one from Stephen and uh, Dylan, of course, <laughs> and Nori. One so, was definitely sent. Interesting. We, we probably did. I probably was unimpressed. 
because it didn't make play music like the last one you well the one you sent me three years ago, which I still have and still take out. All right, so we we were gonna do the show. Yeah. We have we're already ten minutes, almost nine minutes and ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, but we, I, I mean, it's the first time we've done a show this year, and we we skipped a couple at the end of twenty twenty, so there was a bit of catching up to do. So, on to the show. Right. So, way 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 back, we were gonna talk about. <laughs> Uh, we did. We did actually started talking about the history. In another, of in, 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 in the, you know, in, in, another, in another year, in another decade, in the middle of a pandemic, we started to try and to talk about this subject. Right. And uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the history of uh, ghost hunting and Harry Price and some of the, the earlier uh, things that went on. But we, we wanted to talk about methods and procedures that the uh pioneers of ghost hunting used well we mean like zach and um oh no, sorry jason, jason, and, oh, jason and grant yes no yvette <laughs> she pioneered nothing oh speaking about yvette by the way i do want oh to... yeah sidetracking again go on yeah before i forget <laughs> this and, and of course very shortly which is a week from saturday we will be doing I can't even say the word quintessential, the quintessentially British, British ghost project starring um, a, an all British cast, except for one yes. of the hosts, uh, psychic medium, Stephen Scott, storyteller and parapsychologist, Dylan Jones, real parapsychologist, Dr. Anne Winsper, doctor, another real parapsychologist, Dr. Cal, Dr. Dr. Callum Cooper. Psychic mm-hmm. medium Barry John, historian and owner of Derby Jail Richard Felix. Wow, there we are. I'm That's excited. And get this, it's only fifteen bucks, right? Yeah. Well, I don't That's, know. My yeah. job was just to arrange the speakers. That was well. You also worked with the uh, the pricing, but uh, <laughs> yes, it's it's only fifteen dollars. And cool. not, not only is it a live event, so you get the you can you can listen to them live but we also yeah, listen have... and watch what's this it's not just listen live it's listen and view live it's zoom it's the 21st century get oh, with the yes, program that's right you could actually see these yeah. persons and their presentations damn that means i'll have to shave okay anyways that's you can change so the background go... as well go to any ghostproject.com the letter n the letter e ghostproject.com and right on the front page is the uh, information for that and we can get tickets and everything else and it's uh, a week from Saturday so uh, I don't, be, don't, don't buy. Yeah, and, um, social distancing rules will apply by about yeah, three and, and a half thousand our miles bit, we're trying to do our bit to help, help people get through this mess and uh, by offering really quality material for relatively inexpensive. I mean, that's for those names that are on there. That's pretty damn Oh, jeez, it wouldn't get you a couple of donuts. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's that bit what? now that I've gone. Uh, <laughs> oh, so actually, John asks, how does the event work? Can we talk to each other for the event? Um, yes, you all, can. Well, yes, you can, John. Um, you can talk to one another in the side chat on Zoom. Yep. And you can also directly uh, interact with the speakers via chat. But at uh, the end of each speaker session, there will be a short Q&A. Um, 
And then at the end of the event, um, the last hour will be a panel discussion with as many of the speakers as have survived the day. Yeah, sounds fair enough. So, yes, you can interact with the John. Thank you for asking. So, anyways, and you don't have to go anywhere. You can sit there in your pajamas and, and well, grab a beer and uh, remember you know, the and, and yeah. just, you know, listen to the speakers and interact and chill, right? You stop saying that's listen. It's Zoom. it's Zoom. They can watch. Yeah. You keep saying listen. It's not radio. Zoom. Oh, they can listen too. I assume they're just yeah. not going to watch them. Just, they, if you they are, listen, just, it's going to be an awful tough thing. Yeah. Health warning, though. If you are going to sit there um, chilled with your in your PJs with a beer, take mm. your camera off. Why? We don't want to see that. <laughs> Family entertainment. If you say so. <laughs> I'm much more open than than uh, my compadre here. Just telling you. Yeah. So, anyways, back to procedures and what the hell did I talk about? Uh, procedures and methods of of the early pioneer ghost tenses. And we talked a little bit about Harry Price, who you would consider as one of the. Well, he wasn't. Early, well, he wasn't early by any means, or by any stretch of the imagination. So he's very are, much late to the party. Then? I mean, who, who are we going to talk about? What type of methods is? Well, I mean, let, let, let's 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 let's. I mean, let's forget the Greek. Yeah, let's because, forget the Greek. He's, I'm just so sick yeah, of that. Let, let, let's not let's not do the Greek. No, we're, yeah. I mean, no offense if you if you have you know Greek or you Greek are answer. Greek or you are Greek, but yep. you know we we're going to move on from Athenodorus. I've yep. said it, and that's the only time I'm going to mention his name. Right. Uh, but really, we need to come forward probably around about, because we went through that sort of period in the, the Dark Ages and then the, um, the the early Renaissance, where it wasn't what very fashionable. Think? Well, you know, in Elizabethan England, if you said oh. that you looked for communicated with uh, ghosts mm-hmm. um, or spent time in their company, you would probably just get burned. Yeah. Uh, so people, yeah, pe- people tended to avoid the subject. Um, but we really come back to after about 1662 with the um, restoration of Charles II to the British throne, there was a, a an enlightenment. The age of enlightenment started here in Great Britain with men of science um, and philosophy starting to question the world around them. And we had the great, you know, the inventions of uh, we had, of course, um, Newton with um, he invented the fig thing about apples um, and you had Hook um, over and on the continent with the microscope who was exploring no, that was the other one. Oh, okay and it and it was kind of inevitable at some point somebody would turn their attention towards the paranormal world and one of the very first was uh, a man called joseph cotton who in the late 17th century started to explore these phenomena great actor too uh sorry oh yeah we, the one, joseph cotton anyway, was a great actor yeah st- started with uh bet midler didn't he uh no bet davis yeah midler bet midler where did I that know, come from i know who you meant yeah I mean, come on. I've seen those movies. I grew up watching them. Mm. The, um, Joseph Cotton. Oh. But then we, we, you really come, f- I suppose, Daniel Defoe, author of Tre- um, Treasure Island. Uh, no. No? Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. My Robert bad. Louis Stevenson was Treasure Island. Yes, dear. I said yeah. both my bad. Daniel Defoe was Robinson Crusoe. Are you surprised Crusoe, I got the names wrong? No. But okay. writing under the uh, pseudonym pen name of Andrew Morton, he penned a book in 1725, which was one of the very first um, detailed considerations of the subject. But we still haven't come on. I mean, there were no uh, investigators as such. You would have men of philosophy and learning who would visit haunted houses uh, or they would hear about haunted houses or they would hear of ghostly exploits, for example, um, at Cock Lane in London, um, with where the ghost was notoriously named Scratching Fanny. And I know it means different things, different sides <coughs> of the yes. but, but Scratching Fanny, the Cock Lane ghost, is one of the funnier ones and always raises a snigger at, um, yes, ghost, con- at, at ghost conventions. Mm. Um, but they, they couldn't investigate as such um, in the sense that we would understand that today. They, they would observe and they would... Um, effectively, that was all that they did. They observed, they visited, they observed, they questioned the witnesses, they talked to the witnesses, and they tried to observe the phenomena for themselves. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? No, no, perfectly good. Um, They they also tried rudimentary uh, tests, they called them, where they would try and replicate some of the phenomena or or try to replicate some of the sounds that were being heard or some of the things that were being moved. They would try to reproduce them to see if they they could be faked and uh, oftentimes uh, the 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 judgment was that um fakery was taking place a finger was normally pointed at somebody for example at cock lane it was pointed at the um uh the landlord and yeah. it was said to be a scheme uh, to extort money but was this looking, itchy fanny? Uh, scratching. Oh, scratching fanny. I'm sorry. Yeah, because they, in actual fact, we we think of Price with uh, at Borley with the and other um, if, uh, investigations where he comes up with this, and he's often credited with this code with the um, rap once, rap twice, rap three times. The you, you know the code once right. for yes, yeah. twice for no, blah blah blah. That was actually used at Cock Lane. Really? Yeah. They, the exact same code was, it was twice and thrice, because once could be a random knock. And in fact, Price himself never used a single knock. Oh, uh, yeah. It was always twice and thrice. Hmm. Uh, and that was actually used at Cock Lane, which um, the, the date of which eludes me at the moment because it's late at night. But it was, uh, it was in the 18th century. There was a, I mean, did he have any results with it? Well, well obviously, yeah. I mean, it wrapped back. Um, well, okay. the, code, the code worked, and the, the, you know they communicated. It was by that mechanism that they first of all. So they, that's similar to what the Fox sisters did. Yeah, I mean, and a hundred years earlier. Yeah. So perfectly you know, this, sense. And 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 entirely logical that you know they didn't just be. The idea just didn't just pop in. In fact, it wasn't them that asked. Um, I think reading back through the Fox Sisters, it was it was one of the visiting clergy 
who was familiar with the subject, I think I uh, oh. started the first of the, the code wrappings at uh, Hydesville. But, you know, if you if you look through all of the early investigators um, and the ones that predate Price or a contemporary with him, like Herbert Thurston um, and, and the early uh, SPR investigators, the techniques were really observational techniques, ones of sitting up uh, in an armchair with a loaded gun very occasionally. Huh. Uh, and waiting to see, watching and waiting to see what would happen. Now, um, probably the first accurately, or, or what we might call the first modern uh, investigation takes place in the 1890s, the late 1890s, at um, Bo Boleskin, Bolekin House, B House it was called. Uh, it was given an anonymity, so it was always been referred to as B House. Yeah. And you like uh, that was because he used that for uh, Borley too, right? Uh, he did at first. Yeah. The very first examples of put this had nothing to do with price. Price was a mere, I don't think he was even a glint uh, when this, when this investigation oh. was taking oh, okay. place. Huh. Uh, this was, I said, was the late 1890s and B house was um, a Scottish hunting lodge and had been taken rent of for the shooting season. And a number of events had taken place. So sounds had been heard. Apparitions had been seen. The sighting of a, a figure. I believe it was actually a nun in the grounds. Um, and footsteps walking through the... And these very loud booming sounds had been heard. As some of the, some of the people who were uh, staying over were members of the SPR. And uh, they, invite, they spoke about their experiences to others. They came up to see for themselves. And it was the first, it started to become the first um, proper, what we would understand as an investigation. They, they started to um, use equipment. They wanted to, because they, they thought that the, these noises, these booming sounds that were resonating throughout the building may have been the result of seismic activity. And one mm. of the first things that they wanted to do was to bring up a seismometer. They also uh, wanted to, and this would have been, unfortunately, it, due to a legal wrangle that broke out with the with the, the building's owner, it, the investigation didn't proceed. But they they were uh, the plan was to bring up a phonograph uh, to record the sounds. Oh wow! So what you see there is this, and people were keeping diaries and working in teams to observe the building round the clock. Uh, both inside and outside, and it's 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 to all intents and purposes, we would recognise the technique as being a modern investigation, albeit fairly rudimentary, slightly crude in places, because it was the very one of the very first ones. Um, and then you you do in fact you come to price. Um, there is a, a you know a gap where you've got other investigators, but they are doing the observe and watch sit observe and watch which i think is probably the best technique of of all um, and then price comes along with borley and a, the famous blue book where he he recruits a team of investigators and uh, to help him with in the year-long um rental can, can i stop you for a second steve going yeah. back to the other one you said they they sit and watch sit and watch well they just they had to observe it or were they 
actually trying to understand that. I mean, did they they come up with any conclusions? Did they uh, try to debunk uh, anything that was going on? Or, or what? Just curious. What? What? When? It was predominantly watch. It was predominantly watch and observe and wait. And and it occasionally, I mean, mostly it was fruitless. There was one ex- exam- interesting example that took place at Thurston Hall um, up in the northwest of England where the there is this supposed story of an apparition that rings a hands, not like a bell, but rings her hands together and looks woeful and sorrowful. Yeah. And one, one of the people staying um uh, one of the house guests was quite a notable artist and he took the the trouble of having experienced the apparition the following night he stayed up uh, in order to witness it again or hope that it would visit again to his bedchamber and it did and he he sketched uh, he he drew a, a portrait of so would of the this apparition. be the first first uh, photograph of a, well not photograph, well it wasn't a photograph it was uh, yeah first document visual documentation of a spirit I, I think no, no, because there were earlier representations in Defoe's book and the illustrations oh, okay. in Defoe's book. But okay. this was the first time that somebody had said that they had done a live sitting of a of an apparition. If that okay. makes you understand yeah. what the meaning. Not totally. Mean, obviously, yeah. the apparition may not have been live. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and and oh, the way you know, and yeah. in, the the investigators in the SPR and the Ghost Club and other organisations. They they would, you know, they would check doors and they would rattle windows and they would look under things and behind things and lift things up and make sure that there wasn't any obvious trickery or wires or loose floorboards. So they were conducting an investigation, but it was predominantly an, an observational exercise waiting for uh, to encounter whatever it was that was reported, be it a figure. It was most of the early cases do involve apparitions uh, rather than uh, noise anomalies. So they, they wouldn't necessarily be as interested in footsteps or smells or vague lights, which, which were really the story of folklore and mythology. Uh, so when they went to these haunted houses, invariably they, were, they tended to be the upper class properties. Um, and they would sit there with a glass of port and occasionally a loaded pistol, it has to be said, <laughs> and wait and see what happened. So what was the purpose of the loaded pistol? pistol? I'm still not sure of that. I mean, still not Protection. Sure. From? <laughs> From whatever it was that they were waiting for in case oh. it turned, in case it went wrong. So if it was a ghost, they could shoot it. Good I idea. think it I think it was, well, the, the workout cases where ghosts were shot at. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, but I, th- I think it was more to, you know, the port and the pistol were really there to steal the nerve. Yeah. So security blanket, blanket basically. Yeah, just to make yeah. them feel good. Yeah. Huh. A bit like us hiding behind our K2s and our SLS cameras. Yeah. And our Ouija boards. <laughs> Don't mention the Ouija boards. Oh, we can't do that. That's right. Anyways, we do have to take a break. We're coming up to the the halfway, believe it or not. Uh, You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. Brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street in Methuen, Massachusetts. And the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And all our Patreon supporters, uh, if you want to be a 
member of the Dedia Society, join us on Patreon. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. The creepy and the kooky, mysterious and spooky, the all talk gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International Edition. Part deux. And I, I start with an apology and a correction from part one because it is late at night here. And earlier today, I was working on um, a manuscript and that required me to do some research. Um, and it was on oh, witchcraft. It was on witchcraft, and the two things got stuck in my head somehow, or I was bewitched and accursed. And the Joseph Cotton I was referring to was actually Joseph Glanville. Oh, so close. Who was an English philosopher born in 1636. The reason I got confused is that his book um, on the paranormal, well, he, he wrote several on the on the subject, um, one of which, Seducimus Trium- Triumphatus, in which he affirmed the existence of witness witches and criticised the scepticism of their existence, was that was the direct inspiration for Cotton Mather's book from 1690s, which inspired Salem Witches. Yeah, Cotton Mather's. He's, yeah. yeah oh, he's so that's why I said Joseph Cotton, because the two of them got stuck together in my head. Yeah, now you, you're hanging around me too long. That's your problem. Yeah, but... Uh, Glanville actually uh, he he reports on what's what's considered by many to be the first well documented account of a poltergeist, which is the drummer of Tedworth. Uh, this right. was a report based in nineteen in sixteen sixty one, uh, three hundred and fifty years ago. Um, local landowner John Mompesson accused an unlicensed vagrant drummer of collecting money by treachery and witchcraft, and he he. he brought and won a lawsuit against Drury. Um, thereafter, Mompesson started to rep- uh, complain that of hearing drumming noises in his house during the evenings, and it was assumed that all of it was Dur- uh, Drury's fault. Uh-huh. And he was convicted again, this time for witchcraft. Cool. 
and uh, Glanville went to the house and examined the house and he claimed that he had heard the mysterious scratching noises coming from the children's room um, so he was um, and it goes on you know obviously you can look it up for yourself he wrote he wrote the uh, seducimus triumphatus um, in the 1660s 1670s which was the inspiration for Cotton Mather's Wonders of the Invisible World, which he used to justify the same witch trials. So wasn't wasn't it on that Dremel one, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that even though he had him convicted and so forth, the drumming continued anyway, right? The drumming did continue. At, at, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, So there we are. So my apologies for that, for, giving you, for, t- for talking complete bullshit earlier. Yeah. Um, and getting the two names mixed up, which is unusual for me, but not unusual for my co-host. Exactly. It's just catchy for me. I got both the names right. I just got them in, like, muddled. Back in the muddled. other, yeah, Joseph yeah. Cotton. And you compounded it, of course, by, by talking about the actor, which threw me. Yeah. Joseph Cotton. Because he, he was a very good actor. I like Joseph Cotton. Yeah. You realize that most people don't Nobody even know who sm- he was. Mind you. Nobody smoked a cigarette like Bette Davis. <laughs> yes. Anyway. But, I mean, besides the observing, did they use other methods? I mean, I've seen some, for instance, we, we talked about the, the flour, the sack of flour. You, uh, uh, you know, you spread out to see if you catch footsteps or, or uh, uh, fingerprints or whatever. Uh, were there other items like that? You know, simple things that. Uh, no, there, there were there were no ghost hunting kits, and there were no um, rudimentary experiments. Somewhere along the line, there was. They, they there must be because, um, and and there are documented accounts of odd um, bits of experiment because by by the time I mean we you know by the time Price writes the Blue Book in the late nineteen thirties. Ghost hunting had been, you know, well established, um, and there were already, you know, there were already groups of amateur ghost hunters, predominantly spiritualists, coming from the spiritualist church or spiritualist aligned groups. Um, some of them turned up at Borley um, on one occasion and um, tried their best to help. And in the nineteen twenties, um, there were several. There are several accounts in British newspapers of members of spiritualist churches and spiritualist alliances visiting haunted houses to invest and the 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 clipping is very precise in that it says to investigate the claims of the ghost really so but it, it doesn't unfortunately go into any great detail but price didn't invent these ideas these these techniques of drawing round stuff and but um somebody did Somebody did, but I think what's hap- what what you have happened over is, and and it happens today, doesn't it? You know, you see an idea, you pick it up, you move it into a different sphere. Yeah. Um, you know, you see a bit of technology, you think, well, that might help us to do that. By the so time we Price, break it, then we use it. Yeah, I mean, Price had had access to he had the greatest psychical research library in existence at the time. He was also a member of the, had been a member of the society for psychical research was very well connected with, with all of the leading investigators, Richard Hodgson in America and, and, you know, in, in Europe as well, and would have been aware of the, the, the tricks of their trade and the methods that they were employing to 
catch out mediums or to catch out fake ghosts because a lot of these early experiments a lot of these tests really are designed to catch out trickery you know if you put flour across a floor you're you're really um, the first use of that was to catch burglars (laughs) (laughs) you know housebreakers and 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 Mm -hmm. last petty larceny um it, it wasn't really to but you develop and adapt the idea and we do it you know we do the modern investigators do it too when we when we see a cool idea we steal it and then we put it on television and give it a clever name like the estes method or or the singapore method or yeah ron's method the the rhythm method method. well the karl marx method is you just give all your equipment to everybody else isn't it the groucho marx method you just hit everybody (laughs) anyways uh, so no, what you, what you see is a progression of of um, rather than an, um, one person suddenly um, creating or inventing modern ghost hunting, you just see it develop over many many decades by you know different groups of people. Uh, they didn't have access to the internet. They didn't have newspapers. There were very little radio. Um, they what they did have was occasional news reports so you know price was a a big star in the media but other ghost hunters before him you know ghosts always sold copy um oh yeah especially (laughs) at all times of the year you know ghost story sells sells and that and there were, you know, there were books. There's, um, there, there were books dating back to the late 19th century about ghost hunting and haunted houses. And some of them do give very brief descriptions on the investigation techniques. They talk about how they lifted the curtains or tied the drapes back, or secured items of furniture with with tape. Um, Did they or, seal rooms off? That was quite common. That would be um, that was quite a common method that that isn't really used anymore. Fell out of favour in the nineteen sixties, yeah, where they would examine a room and they so they would they would seal off the external windows. They would then examine the room and then they would seal the room itself, uh, lock it and put a, a seal of some sort over the doorway to prevent people going in. Sometimes that 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 may have had a trigger object, or um, as Price called it. Um, on Peter Underwood use exactly the same technique and they would prevent anybody from going in often it was done simply to make the to limit the investigation area or to prevent the ingress of um, small boys birds and you know other stray mammals to prevent the pollution of the area stop them getting in or out I had a, a A neat experience one time. Uh, in fact, it's in our last book, More Ghost Chronicles, about a place that we did, and we uh, we had set up some equipment and sealed the room off. Went to lunch, came back, and uh, yeah, there was uh, we picked up some like hop music on it and voices. And uh, the weird thing about it was uh, we had to pile up some books on the bed, and then the books were thrown all over the the floor and in the room it's always much more impressive when they're stacked yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) but like a house of cards yeah the intriguing thing about it though is when i went to take a picture i took a picture with my camera and it it was digital so i could see it right away of course but all i got was the floor 
and then the next picture I took was the books on the floor. So it's just like they weren't there, and then they were there for some particular reason. I have still can never explain it, figure it out to this day. I'm seeing your photographic techniques. I've stood, I've stood there while you take four, four or five goes at it. Oh, yeah, that one yeah, didn't yeah. work. Not that yeah. button. Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> so it was just a pushing click camera. So don't get excited. But uh, yeah, it was intriguing. One of the, as far as the locked off, that was one of the, the most interesting ones that I, I faced. Did you, you ever have any luck with the locked off rooms yourself, Steve? No, no, no. I mean, we, we use the technique even today because yeah. it's a pra- it's a practical way of limiting the size of um, yeah. particularly a large location. Um, we, we, we've, we've never, um, found that to be beneficial. We've, um, we've never had a trigger object do anything dramatic. We've had ones that may have moved or moved a small, but under questionable circumstances, one that's one that strikes me, uh, was one that had been very well secured and it was in a locked room. And when we returned, the object had indeed moved about, about an inch and a half. That's pretty good. Uh, well, yeah you sound so we were we are you know we were impressed we were impressed then um the next day when we looked at the the situation afresh what we we were never we can we were never able to 100 percent rule out that that the alignment of the floorboards ran from beneath the table where this object was placed um underneath the wall and out into a corridor and we were never a hundred percent sure that somebody walking up the corridor couldn't, you know, the other end of a seesaw, mm-hmm. and cause this thing to to have. Yeah. And we tr- we tried experimenting. Oh, we that's did, what I was going to say, did you try experiments? Did you try? We to, did, to and we got it? we got rudimentary movement. Oh, you did, uh, but but and that's what it didn't directly copy what had happened with the object, but mm-hmm. it was sufficiently, you know, to cast doubt on on. Or, or to to put a question mark there, mm-hmm. uh, but that's really the only time. But it's a technique that we still use, and a lot of the techniques that that, that our group uses are based on those old fashioned techniques of just being there, just sitting, waiting for something to happen. Because when it happens, and you have the opportunity to study it, because uh, ordinarily, of course, you're only reliant on what the witness tells you. And the reason you're there is to try and understand what their experience was. So if it happens to you, you get the best opportunity of trying to understand their experience. But what all invariably happens, even to a team like Parascience, is that, in, you know, in the dead of night, um, people start making a big deal about little things. Because mm, they're uh, tired and cranky probably haven't been fed because you're a cheap bastard well we don't feed our teams see i told you (laughs) we want them we want them lean and mean and alert (laughs) but no i mean seriously we've we've um we we used to call it the uh the tiger and not the tiger's tail or because people would get very excited about tiny tiny little noises coming from a a corner of a room that there was nothing you could do about. You could, you could barely record them. They were so quiet. You couldn't locate them and they would, they were very intermittent and it was, well, how much to how many hours, minutes, days are we going to spend trying to figure out what that noise is when it could be a beetle? <laughs> you know, we, we will never, 
understand what that noise is and moreover it will never really advance our knowledge so let's you know we we opt um for for radio for ham radio operators we turn the squelch up and we 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 told our investigators to actively ignore unless that was what the witnesses had reported to actively ignore very you know sort of like a threshold we raised the threshold until a point where it became glaringly obvious that something was taking place because that would be the point when an ordinary witness would take place uh, would mm-hmm. would would take notice because ordinary witnesses don't sit there in in flat calm dead calm quiet conditions um with the lights out it just never happens that way uh you know they're watching tv they're listening to the radio unless so they're sleeping unless they're sleeping um, that, but those do you know they are incredibly rare these these old Victorian Gothic accounts of I was lying in my bed and then suddenly I I woke with a start I knew I was wide awake because I wasn't asleep. Yeah, but that's the, the, the you know the old hag syndrome or, or you know. No, no, this is the figure standing at the bottom of the bed pointing. You know. The, yeah, the but that's part figure. of old hag. Oh yeah, it's similar yeah. to similar to but different. Yeah. Now. Um, I mean, I've had, I've had that experience. So, I, I, I oh, kinda... oh, oh, yeah, old hag syndrome. I'm talking about the old sort of the revenant at the bottom of the bed syndrome, where um, you know they they wake with a start, and they know Never that they're awake. Never seen a figure wake, waking up and, and... no, huh? Interesting. No, I've had old hag syndrome where you wake up and you're mo- and you're uh, momentarily yeah, you're paralyzed. Right, momentarily paralyzed. But one of the the one of the uh, other effects of that is is that there's a presence in the room that you feel, you believe there's a presence. Well, you even see a presence in the room. No, no. I mean, I, as a kid, I, I I used to get pretty scared by a dressing gown that used to hang on the door. Yeah, isn't that killer? <laughs> <laughs> Responsible for many a good ghost is a dressing gown hanging <laughs> on the back of the door. But uh, no, no. I'm. So we look at what the witness was doing. So if the witness was watching television, listening to the radio, or just eating a bowl of cornflakes, you know, there is a, there is a certain threshold there. Right. And, uh, which you have to replicate because you are trying to understand their experience. And so we had to actually t- tell our investigators to stop investigating. And that was, and I, you see that, you know, with a lot of these, uh, you know, they, they read books, these early investigators, they, they sit with their port and their pistol and they read a book, mm-hmm. read a book of poetry or, or they do something um, rather than concentrate on the noises and the squeaks and the creaks. And because they lived in predominantly, you know, much colder, wouldn't, um, less well-made houses yeah for sure yeah without double glazing so you know the windows would rattle and the servants would scurry and the, the place had far you know a greater infestation of rodents and insects than modern houses because we didn't have rent to kill or rooty to plumbers what about uh, uh temperature were they concerned with temperature at all no, in those no. early days? the first the first real um document uh, the first attempts to document the environment come in the late 1890s with the SPR's investigation of Bee House which I mentioned earlier where they they were going to take up seismographs and they did record I think they, they the temperatures were recorded at a, an investigation a few years after that mm-hmm. and they were used but uh, recording temperature really comes from the sound room um, 
it was done in 1915 by in Belfast with the Golliger Circle. Um, it was done by Price, of course, and and almost all of the SPR um, Institute Metaphysique, so, the ASPR, you know, they they would instrument and measure uh, the sounds room, and that just transferred then out into the haunted. House. So let's fast forward. I mean, if the early ones really didn't do anything or use any equipment then other than observation, then let's start looking at to the, some of the ghost hunters who actually did, like Harry Price had a kit that he, he had. He did. And we he, know he it. did. He so did. Uh, well, what, what type uh, of things did they have in the kit and, and what were well, they Price list Well, Price gives us a convenient list of the things in his in his ghost hunting kit. He had felt mm-hmm. overshoes for creeping around in the dark, uh, quite, you know, quietly around a, a building. He had a hank of bell wire, uh, some batteries and bulbs for making... So what was quick, the bell wire and battery and for, bulbs? For making quick detection circuits. So he he would he would rig up you know a, a small lamp circuit that you know with a, with a circuit breaker switch on a door for example so if anybody opened the door the light would go off or on. Um, he had he had um, chalk chalk powder which he could sprinkle on the floor. He had a bowl of mercury, um, which was which, for which which he could pour into a bowl or saucer and then examine vibrations. Now yeah. he wasn't looking for infrasound, but what he was looking for was so, a vibration. So like fo- a geophone. A very early form of geophone, yeah. I mean, there was no way of, of, of uh, measuring what it was doing, but you could right. observe the vibrations looking at the surface of the of the liquid mercury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had chalk. He had he had a flask of brandy. That was another of one. No, notebook, notebook and pens abound. Tape measure, flashlight. Tape All measure the, once again. Tape measure. What would they use that for? For measuring how far an object moved. Ah, I see. Or how far it was thrown, or or how high it lifted, or mm-hmm. um, it was it was a very very basic. Uh, he had he had tape and and twine for sealing windows, um, pins and things for you know drawing pins and dressmakers pins for attaching to attaching the twine or the bell or, or the hank of wire or dip making you know his little electrical circuits to indicate whether doors or windows or or in fact in some situations objects themselves had moved because he he had a little flat plate switch that he could put under something so if it moved the, the, the buzzer or the lamp would go on or off hmm. and alert him did he so, did he ever do the thing where he you draw a shape around the object or an outline that, of the that was object? one of his that was one i was going to say that was one of his favorite methods he used that at borley he used that at, um, at other locations too and uh, he didn't he didn't take a longer trigger object you know we didn't take a crucifix or an iguana right. or some other sexy object um he just <laughs> used what was there and he would um draw around them uh, with chalk normally or pencil and then he would, you know, observe to see if it had moved. Occasionally he took photographs. He had cameras. He had many, many cameras. He had stereo cameras. And, uh, yeah, I found that amazing, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, 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 he was... Uh, that was uh, the early years of photographer, was it? Well, well no. No, 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 not no. That early. Photography no, was, was getting on for, what, 80, 90 years old by yeah. now? Yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh, but he did use stereo photography, which I've uh, has always surprised me that modern investigators never have. Now we still well, you use know our why because they well, won't we still, you on them. <laughs> well, we still use our stereo cameras that are left over from the orb experiments because if if you had an apparition 
with a three-dimensional camera you can do a great deal more with the three-dimensional photograph than you can with a two-dimensional flat photograph mm. you know when um you you can you can work out does it genuinely have depth or is it a two-dimensional representation you can yeah. do that with a 3d camera you can't do that with the 2d camera uh, so that we still we still do have the 3d cameras now price to my knowledge never used the 3d camera in a haunted house he used them always in the sounds room right. uh, it's often sometimes loaded with infrared film but never in a haunted house he did take a thermometer he took a negretti and zangra um very high tech very high spec state of the art for the day recording thermograph to borley in order to record the the house's notorious cold spot, which was outside the blue room on the um, what we call the first floor, the upper floor landing. So, you know, there were attempts to 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 measure and to document the environment by the night by the you know post World War One. Really, that that starts to happen because you had a, you had a surplus of military stuff. Uh, arriving on the market you had signaling gear you had you had optical stuff you had cameras uh you had you know all of this military surplus from world war one suddenly hitting the market at discount prices no pun intended harry uh, and and it was it was taken up by amateur investigators enthusiasts model railway builders radio control airplane enthusiasts Every hobbyist used this uh, sort of sur- this wealth of military surplus apparatus, and that did include investigators. Now, are there any? What was the first documented uh, evidence of an investigation? That would be I. Uh, well. <laughs> What a modern investigation would be B House in the late eighteen, mm-hmm. the late eighteen yeah, hundreds. Okay. Uh, you've got Glanville's um, account from the sixteen sixties. There were others in between times who who visited and wrote their you know their accounts in books or to gentlemen's magazines mm-hmm. uh, throughout the nineteenth century. This um, Defoe writing as Andrew Morton himself actually. Uh, described in his in his book visiting some house uh, houses in the hope or perchance to see the apparition so that's an early form of investigating um, and that's what early investigators were doing they were going to see for themselves remember the crowds that turned up at Hydesville to see um what was it mr splitfoot to see if he would perform mm-hmm. uh, or to see if he would visit the girls and if he if he would communicate with them uh, you know, the, this wasn't just the ignorant, you know, shrieking crowds. This was men of science and learning that visited Hydesville and visited Cock Lane and visited half a hundred other um, haunted houses around the world. Now, I guess I'm trying to, when did the seance, is that? the direct result of the spiritualist movement or was it a seance that think, Oh wow, we don't be out of time. <laughs> uh, no, the sound, the sounds predate spiritualism. Absolutely speed predate spiritualism. They stole it from, well, they, they stole it from the Swedenborgians who stole it from uh, the necromancers. Okay. 
So communicating with the dead was oh, was even around popular since. back then. Uh, What's been that? around? Okay. Communicating with the well, dead. I mean, with... other than you know, where you you know, yeah, okay, yeah, well, I, even, I see what you're you saying. Know, it even predates, you know, I mean, forget in, in a group setting. I guess, I guess, what I was trying to think about. Um, I would easily pre- the Swedenborgians were amongst the first. Yeah. In the seventeenth, eighteenth uh, century, late eighteenth century. I mean, the seance has been an attractive thing to paranormal investigators throughout the world, throughout the years. Um, it's very, it, it's actually, it's use in haunted houses is, is really a, a 1960s onwards phenomena. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was used before that, but it didn't really catch on in any great, any uh, great shakes with the investigators because ordinarily they worked in ones and twos there were very very few groups of investigators that we like we have today uh this would be uh, you know two people perhaps three mm. so okay last, anyways, last minute do you want to remind them about the 16th then i was i was just about to say that steve why don't you remind them well yeah join join ron and i for the quintessentially british ghost project uh coming live to zoom a platform near you from the 16th of January, starting at, let me check the time, 10 a.m. Eastern time, Eastern mm-hmm. Standard time, because it's summer, yeah. winter, uh, through till finishes at 6 p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard time. And go to. Uh, with uh, an all British cast, including two psychic mediums, two storyteller historians, and two parapsychologists. And of course, your host, $15 anyghostproject.com the letter n the letter e because it's not any old ghostproject.com oh, no that's a song and here are the tunes yeah so anyways we want to thank our listeners we want to thank our sponsors circles of wisdom 386 remerick street methuen massachusetts the glant messier and Family our listeners Luck. and our listeners and most importantly our patrons uh become a member of the dead air society go on to the patreon site and sign up for Ghost Chronicles Radio, and you get exclusive material only seen by our patrons. So thanks for listening, everyone. Good night and God bless. Good night, God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good luck.